0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe.
1: Hey Jonathan, how's it going?
0: Going well. You had a big week this week. Big, big event for Southeastern. I was I was really jealous about this. Yes,
1: that was pretty fun. We had a, a big fundraising uh, dinner and uh, an event really to, to just kick off some excitement for uh, a new new program, the North Carolina Field Minister Program that is going to be starting uh, in the fall with the college at Southeastern in the North Carolina prison system. So very, very similar to uh, what's going on in Texas and Louisiana. Uh, but I guess what was kind of fun and unique is that um, Coach Joe Gibbs, who is also the owner of Joe Gibbs Racing there in Charlotte, uh, they were the ones that, that sort of hosted us and he's doing uh, a lot to get to get behind this program and uh to bring uh, to bring others in as well. So uh, it was it was a an evening for us and Joe Gibbs racing and for uh the state of North Carolina to talk about this. But we got to meet some fun people. I bet. And see a, yeah, and we we had a, a car, uh a NASCAR yeah, I think that was probably I'm still more pretty mad about that. Me. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So they wrapped wrapped a car that had the college at southeastern logo on it so that was pretty fun it will it's it's not headed to the track it was just for the event but uh, it was pretty neat
0: you know how much i would love to have a lifeway nascar right
1: yes i know i know but but i got pictures of a college at southeastern one so it was really fun it was fun to meet uh, coach gibbs and i got to meet uh, coach uh, rick barnes from yep. uh, ut Formally now of UT. but UT. Uh, now at for, UT. Uh, from UT and formerly of UT. Yeah. Also formerly of uh, Clemson University back Where? in the day. Um, Never heard of it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, back in the day. And so that was a kind of an exciting thing for our family. Keith was a manager uh, for the Clemson basketball team back when uh, Coach Barnes was there. So he enjoyed that opportunity to sort of reconnect. And I, I was excited to meet him. And it was just a neat, really fun night.
0: Man, I'm telling you, that that is a an event i wish i was at that that was right up my alley right there uh that's really really good to hear about the uh, the new program the field Minister initiative there in north carolina excited about that and and how it can help the uh the college at southeastern so um always neat and uh you know i'm a i'm a big nascar guy so you you got to really step into the world that i would i would love to be in so that that's kind of neat
1: I know. I felt kind of bad that you probably knew a lot more of what was going on than I did, and and we were were getting to experience it. But anyway, such is life.
0: It's been kind of a slow week around the SBC, except for the ongoing conversation we're having around the ERLC and CP funding uh, withdrawals. There might be a light at the end of the tunnel, though, Amy. This week, Dr. Moore released a uh, statement, and his board released a statement as well in support of him. Uh, He released a, a lengthy statement as well. Uh, in that, and the full text is over at ERLC. Amy, I'm going to let you talk to that, but I just wanted to tie into that. There was another story the next day. Uh, also, Jack Graham, the, the pastor at Prestonwood, uh, who has been at the center of this as well, uh, has uh, praised the statement uh, by the uh, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission's Executive Committee and Dr. Russell Moore as well as Steve Gaines. So he, uh, both of them uh, come out in support of that. And and we've seen indications around the internet that maybe this issue is now settled
1: yeah it seemed like uh, things once those statements were released and people reacted uh, things have just settled down in terms of the the level of conversation lots of online discussions have been happening over the last month and uh, things have been a little quieter the last few days and and I know that's in large part due to uh, the statements that were released
0: yep so, the full text of those statements, both uh, from Dr. Graham, Dr. Gaines, Dr. Moore, and the executive committee of the uh, ERLC, not the executive committee of the SBC. Let's not get those two confused. Um, right. Those are at links at sbcthisweek.com. You can see all of that. We don't have any information on this yet, but at some point we'll try to circle back with Dr. Rummage and see if this and and this possible resolution, what we may see here. We haven't had an official, I guess, word that everything's resolved. Uh, But if uh, this will impact the executive committee's two study groups uh, that we mentioned on the podcast a couple weeks ago.
1: Yeah. And uh, Dr. Rummage had said this would be, you know, they're going to bring reports back and things like this would be a part of that.
0: It should. uh, We'll still be probably hearing more about this in Phoenix. And Amy, I got some Phoenix updates. We talked a little bit last week. Last week on the show, we went over some dates and some uh, critical dates that we're approaching Uh, We have not heard anything on the Committee on Resolutions. expect that next week since that deadline is next week. Uh, But we should get those uh, names next week. The Committee on Nominations met this past week, and I've been told that to expect that report on April the 28th. They're very specific. Both the committee and uh, Baptist Press both told me that expect that on April 28th. So next month we'll have that. We should have something by March 29th for the Committee on Resolutions. However, I was talking with Bill Towns, Uh, Over at the executive committee, he's the convention manager, and he is anticipating uh, that our attendance in Phoenix will be somewhere in the range of 5,500 to 6,500 messengers with a total attendance of 8,500 to 9,500 for the convention. So uh, really in line with what we saw in Columbus and Baltimore, which out in Phoenix would be a a fantastic number.
1: Yeah, that really uh, is surprising to me. I was expecting it to be a bit lower just because of location Um, but that's pretty incredible. So it it stands, stands to be a good, um, obviously we don't have the numbers that we used to have back years and years ago when it was 25,000 and 30,000. Um, but that's a, that's a pretty solid number, uh, for the last decade.
0: Yeah. 4852 was our number last time we were in Phoenix and they're expecting about uh, a thousand more, uh, messengers. So, yeah, uh, I mean that's just fantastic.
1: Yes, and speaking of nominating committee, we also had a story this week in Baptist Press about uh, the IMB study. We've talked about that a little bit, but it went more in depth uh, in the study that they're doing to examine sort of the fluctuation in trustee spots.
0: I had the link to that story, as all our links are at sbcthisweek.com, uh, but they are looking at the reason that they are losing representation from some of the the frontier states i guess we call them uh, we kind of need better names for those amy we've called them new work states we called them frontier states like uh, is it is it fair to make the classification between the old line and the south states versus the new work and the
1: the frontier states well i i mean i think i think you just have to ask the question what is what is the frontier when does the frontier start to become um not when is when does it when is it no longer sort of that line moves that's a question that historians have have uh, played around with for quite some time okay. um but i would say for for us we think of them as outside the south because southern baptists are based in the south so then it was kind of moving outside of the borders how long do those people have to stay uh frontier i'm not really sure how long did those states stay in that category i'm not really sure but what you're talking about would be these states outside of our yeah. typical outside of where we kind of started
0: yeah and it's 10 of the conventions 39 states and divine territories have fewer than twenty thousand church members which is kind of that threshold to have representation at imb as well as uh nam and lifeway uh, they're also mentioned in bylaw 30 uh section c i believe Uh, is the uh, the specific thing. I know that everybody's sitting around with their copy of the SBC bylaws handy. uh, But bylaw 30, uh, yeah, I know. And same here, I've got it within arm's reach. But um, bylaw 30 covers this. So IMB is going to take a look at that and hopefully we'll kind of get a report from them whenever this is finished. Also down in Mobile, Alabama, uh, Timothy L. Smith will be inaugurated today. Actually, the day this drops, March the 24th. He will be inaugurated as the fourth president of the University of Mobile,
1: that's really exciting. We have a lot of new presidents popping up in different places, um, so it's it's fun to see this inauguration. Uh, the The story shares uh, that Frank Page will be one of the speakers, uh, as well as U.S. Representative Bradley Byrne, also Bobby Dubois uh, from the Alabama Baptist State Board of Missions. Um, lots of uh, lots of great people there, and I just want to point out in this Baptist Press story. Um, the new president has a great bow tie. Very, very well done. Nathan Finn would like this one. It
0: is quite dapper. It's quite fitting for the world of Southern Baptist academia, at least in some, yes. some sections, I guess. Yes. I saw a picture of the, the cabinet or members of the cabinet from Southeastern at that event you shared the other night uh, at Joe Gibbs in suits and ties, which I was a little taken yes. aback about.
1: Yeah, we, that's, that's very uh, abnormal, especially for so many of them to be in yes. suits.
0: Well, I know that Keith loves a good suit but the rest of them not so much
1: uh, he, he does uh, of course things are are somewhat casual around here and have been uh, for for a while more business casual but um, there there was a day when dr. Aiken was in a suit all the time and so sure when he, he loved shows that. Up in one yeah so when he shows up in one and then everyone else does it's a it's a great moment for a picture
0: yep all right last piece of news this week before we jump into our interview with Matt Crawford is uh and Advisory Council, we mentioned it a, a couple months ago, the the Young Leaders Advisory Council appointed by SBC Executive Committee Frank Page, and there's an online survey to, to kind of get the thoughts and uh, perspectives of young SBC pastors on the cooperative program.
1: Yeah, I've been watching that survey as it's sort of uh, in real time being updated because you can go and look at where the results are, uh, but it will be interesting to see when it's all
0: over. Yeah, and we've got an interview uh, we'll get to in just a minute with Matt Crawford about that survey, Uh, but at the same time, the, the survey is really just asking about how much people know about the cooperative program, how much they're engaged with the cooperative program, and even which levels and which areas of the cooperative program do they see as most beneficial to their church, and also most beneficial to other Southern Baptists. Like, basically, what's working, what's not, what needs to be improved.
1: Yeah, and I, I think this will be a big help, but I, um, as we have a new generation and we are talking about the cooperative program a lot more in the last couple of years uh, than we have, um, I think it's good for us to look at our education and say, does everyone understand how it works? How do we get more engagement Um, particularly with young leaders, because we have to think about future generations as well. So the work of this advisory council is important. Uh, The results of this survey will be important, and the work of people like Matt Crawford.
0: So here is our interview with the one and only Dr. Matt Crawford. Joining us this week on SPC This Week is Dr. Matt Crawford. He is the pastor at First Baptist Sebring, Florida, and also the cooperative program catalyst for the South Region under the direction of the Executive Committee. Matt, thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks, Jonathan. It's great to be with you.
0: Now, we're, we're talking a lot about the CP these days, uh, and there's it's always been a point of discussion amongst Southern Baptists, but there uh, has been a recent surge in the conversation about the cooperative program. What's the impetus for this now, uh, particularly, and we're going to talk in this interview mostly about young leaders and getting them involved in the CP?
2: Yeah, I think uh, obviously a large portion of the current conversation has to do with with what's been going on in the aftermath of the election, with uh, conversation about the role of the ERLC, uh, with escrowing of cooperative program funds, and you know I've got to say I'm so so grateful for what's happened in the last couple of weeks with with all of that with. Uh, uh, Dr. Page meeting with Dr. Moore and the uh, just the the unifying spirit that came out of that. Dr. Moore's statement that he gave, along with his trustees, and, and my my hope and my prayer is that that resolution can launch us into an all new period of engagement together with the cooperative program, and that it would launch us into a focus on what is most important. What you know, why we're part of the SBC, uh, why we came together in the first place for the sake of mission. So I mean, that's obviously a big reason that it's a uh, ongoing discussion right now but i think it goes back further uh, especially for a younger generation of pastors you know for me when i really first started getting involved uh, going to annual meeting reg- regularly was around the time of the gcr when that was uh, that discussion was happening really yeah, back that was in- down in your neck of the woods in uh, orlando when that was passed well i'm even going back one year further yeah. to louisville 2009 When it really got started the task force was formed that was my first year going regularly and my whole generation i think that was when we were coming in and so we we resonate with that concern of of penetrating lostness uh, of uh, uh having a focus on those who have little or no access to the gospels and younger leaders although not just them but younger leaders want to be confident that their cooperative program giving has maximum impact uh, for the sake of making disciples uh, among the nations and penetrating lostness is the key issue here, right? It's it's gospel accessibility. A lot of this is the natural outgrowth of the conservative resurgence. You know, uh, this is kind of the natural progression, I think, of of getting our theology right. Uh, but I think any time you have a long-lasting organization like ours, there are going to be periods of change, periods of reevaluation, of refocus. You know, we see this in several of our agencies as we've had new agency heads. But I think this is a natural thing and a healthy thing, as long as we're focused on what's most important.
0: Now, you, you mentioned the long history we have, not just with the SBC but uh, the cooperative program as well. And there's been many efforts over the years to get the word out, you know, and to boost r- in- information education about the cooperative program. How is is the uh, the new catalyst uh, design here with the uh, the four different regions for the executive committee? How how is that kind of different than the previous CP efforts? And how is it telling the story in a new way?
2: Yeah, uh, I I think it's part of a deliberate attempt to do a couple of things. Uh, First is connect with young pastors to tell the story of CP. You know, every new generation is going to have to be told that story. They're going to have to um, be engaged with that and and given that vision so that it can become their own. I think it's also a focus that the executive committee has had just over the last few years— there's been a deliberate change. Uh, uh, instead of focusing on uh, on sort of pressuring people or, or pushing them, cajoling them even sometimes to to engage in CP, there's been a focus. We're going to express gratitude, and we're going to cast a vision. Uh, and so the, the, there's an intentionality about it. Let's, let's be grateful for what uh, pastors and churches are giving. Let's understand that there's a lot that they're giving to, and those are good things, all of them um but but let's express gratitude and cast vision for what the cp is and what it can be and and dr page and the executive committee in the last few years they've, they've had an emphasis of openness and conversation uh the cp does not belong to the executive committee it doesn't belong um, to, to the president or the VPs of the executive committee. It belongs to the churches of the Southern Baptist convention. And so we want to have that conversation and we want to make it the best thing for the churches and for the sake of the gospel.
0: And with those churches, you know, you talk about the younger generation and becoming pastors and and educating them. The problem is, you know, we see the recent stats from uh, Barna that only one in seven senior pastors are under the age of 40. So how do we encourage younger men and to step into leadership and to step into pastorates in the SBC uh, you know in this generation how do we encourage more to to do so
2: yeah i as I was at um st. Louis uh, convention last year you know I was just watching that unfold and thinking about it after and uh, i I think we you can look at the in, in particular the presidential election there um, and and see that we are at a tipping point as a con, as a convention and i mean that in, in a good way what i mean is there's more and more involvement of these pastors um and and you saw the election was so narrowly balanced and i think it was exactly the right thing that jd greer did in, in stepping back and deferring uh, to, to an older uh, candidate and honoring him and setting aside theological differences. Uh, but I think you, the, the balanced nature of that election and how closely divided it was uh, points to a tipping point in, in where we are in the convention. So there's a growing voice within our convention. But in terms of, of encouraging younger men more uh, to step into the pastor, I think first you've got to cast a vision for serving Jesus um, there's been a lot of chatter this week online about uh, John Piper's one day message back in 2000, um, you know, about collecting shells and, and doing that instead of doing that, uh, doing what it matters for eternity. And uh, my friend Dave Schrock uh, said online, and he said, if you want to understand the younger generation of SBC leaders, look to that sermon. And I think he's right. You know, guys like John Piper and others who have cast a vision uh, for the name of God, the glory of God among the nations. I think we've got to keep doing that to inspire uh, younger men to step into the pastor. I think you've also got to have uh, local churches have programs of discipleship, even apprenticeship, um, letting guys grow up in their own churches, letting them see ministry, try it. You know, there's a lot of churches that are doing that. Um, I was blessed to grow up in a church that gave me opportunities that in a lot of ways I wasn't ready for, you know, but they let me grow into that. Um, and I think we need more of that. And and then finally, I think we have to have churches that are willing to give young guys opportunities to serve as senior pastors. I mean, your question was specifically about senior pastors. Uh, and, and you know, I was blessed to be able to come here to First Baptist Sebring. I was 33 um, when I came here and I've been blessed to be here, they followed uh, and trusted the Lord in that. But I still get the questions in town. Uh, are, are you the youth pastor there? <laughs> you know, um, So it, it's a little, even people in our culture, they, it's a little strange to them, but um, I think we've got to continue to encourage and give them opportunities. Well, and thanks
0: to how the cooperative program helps fund education and theological education in the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, a lot of guys like you ha- have lived on both sides of the CP. You, you're a recipient of, while you, were, you went to Southern um, and you were a recipient of Cooperative Program Funds, now you're leading your church uh, and you've been transitioned to help them give to the CP. How is this, you know, being a recipient, now being a giver, how has that helped inspire you to promote others and improve the CP?
2: Uh, it's funny that you asked that. My, my undergrad school, I went to UCF in Orlando, and uh, they keep finding me. Uh, I don't tell them when I move or when I took this job and I started getting mail from them <laughs> <laughs> at my new church, I'm mean, this is a little bit creepy, but I, I'm not interested in giving to them. They got plenty of, of uh, students. They're like the second largest university in the nation. They got plenty of funding. But so, man, any way that I or my church can help give back to my seminary and to all the seminaries and to all the agencies uh, through giving to the CP, I'm excited about that. I love that opportunity. I'm, I'm so grateful for the low cost of that education. Uh, for the investment in me, really an ongoing investment. You know, in the last two months, I've uh, personally contacted my preaching professor, Herschel York, and my doctoral supervisor, Mark Coppinger, asking them specific questions about ministry, a question about the interpretation of the Baptist faith and message. Those guys are accessible and available still. And I want other men and women to have the same opportunities and more. I don't want them to experience uh, unnecessary, unnecessary obstacles to ministry education or be saddled by student debt as they're trying to do ministry. I think it's part of fleshing out obedience to what Paul said to Timothy and what he says to us. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Right? It's part of passing on that torch of, of the gospel, of how to do ministry, of how to uh, seek to complete the Great Commission. And I think along with that, uh, for young pastors, should come a sense of humility, right? I mean, we have learned from the generation that's come before us. They've generously provided for our education. Uh, We don't have all the answers. My generation doesn't know how to do everything perfectly. We have our perspectives. Uh, We want to learn from others, and we want to be faithful to what God has called us to do, and we want to prepare to pass that torch on to those who come after us.
0: Now, when we talk about engaging in the CP as a pastor and getting others to engage more deeply in the CP, is it just a simple matter of education equals greater engagement?
2: I think uh, education is the best way or is at least a a major part of casting vision, right? If they don't know about something, they can't get excited about it. They can't contribute to it. They can't engage in it. So uh, I think you've got to educate people as to the history of CP, as to what it is, as to its uniqueness uh, in in the context uh, of the history of the church. Uh, I mean, we're not selling used cars here, you know, uh, this is driven by Matthew twenty-eight, by the Great Commission, reaching the nation with the with the nations with the gospel. I mean, this as a pastor, you've got to be engaged with this if you're going to be a faithful pastor. And so, I'm excited about it. Uh, this is why the church is still in the world, right? This is why we don't get raptured to heaven. We're we're supposed to be making disciples uh, while we're here, glorifying God through that. And I believe that the cooperative program is the best. Large-scale collaborative effort for taking the gospel to the nations that the church of Jesus has seen, and so I want my church to be part of that.
0: Yeah, and we, when we're talking about young leaders and the education, it really starts getting feedback from them, and that's what you guys are doing. You're you're part of a group that is, has a survey out there right now. We've got a link to it at SBC this week. It's open through the end of March, yeah. and uh, people can go out there and so tell us about the survey, what you're hoping to receive from that, some maybe some maybe preliminary results of that, what you've learned so far.
2: Yeah, uh, a lot of it, we, we want to give young leaders a, a chance to have a voice. I've been really encouraged uh, once we put it out there on social media and, and you guys especially helping us promote that. Um, I've been really encouraged by the response. And, and one pastor even reached out to me. He's a, he's a guy who's planting in Orlando. He reached out to me and said, man, I'm just grateful to be listened to you know, to, to have a chance to speak into it. So I'm encouraged uh, about uh, the results that I've seen so far, um, uh, especially about uh, people's confidence now and in, in how uh, CP is being used. I think that's growing amongst our generation. We're growing in confidence about uh, the impact uh, of every dollar. And, and speaking of dollars, you know, the, the national CP allocation budget,
0: we've been steady around $190 million, over the past decade or so. I mean, we fluctuated here and there, up and down a little bit, you know, 196, 188, or something like that. But it's 190. Is there a ceiling for the CP at like that $200 million barrier? And have we hit it?
2: Uh, I think short answer is no. Okay. Uh, I'm going to need think, a longer answer. Yeah, well, sure. <laughs> yeah. Let me elaborate. Uh, first of all, I, I don't like to doubt God's power, right? I, I don't think that's, that's wise or, or biblical. If, you know... If God chooses to bless us uh, through, through greater engagement in this, then nothing can stop that. Now, if God chooses to use something else, he can and he will. Uh, and, and we are completely dependent upon God in, in every aspect of cooperative program. But I think, number two, I mean, just, just look at what's going on in our nation and in our denomination. Population is growing in our country. NAM is planting 1,200 new churches every year. I know that we lose about 900 churches every year, but to do the maths, that's a gain of about 300 churches every year. And I know there's a lag in, in giving, and, and, and as that continues to come in, but in faith, I think, and through the intentionality of discipleship at the individual church level, but also as well as us uh, communicating with pastors, I expect it to grow. I pray for it to grow. Uh, and, and in particular, being a Florida Baptist, I'm very, very encouraged by the story of what God has been doing over the last year and a half or so uh, through Tommy Green. Yeah, Tommy Green's a rock star right now. I love Tommy Green. I'm grateful for what he's done in our state. And him changing the percentage right out the gate has, has caused a surge in giving in our state. And I do not expect that to go down. And, and the awesome thing that he's done is that he's set uh, and committed – to benchmarks for future percentage changes. So there's a benchmark when we get to uh, these are off the top of my head, but I want to say it's at at 34 million dollars in giving. We switched to 55-45 at 39, which may sound like a lot, but in 2008 we were right about there. We've given that wow. much, you know, about 10 years ago or so. We were we were at this level. He said if we hit this level again, we'll go to 60-40. And yeah. he set that up as benchmarks. That's motivation. Yeah. But he's, he's know, basically saying we're not going to grow
0: the state stuff bigger. Exactly, we're going to pass said. it on, and you know th- that just means more for the nations. You guys give more; more goes on to IMB, to Nam, to seminaries, and all that.
2: Yeah, he said he has said exactly that. I am not seeking to grow the bureaucracy. Um, I'm seeking to send more and more, and other states, as you know, are moving in that direction. And so I look. Well, there's at that a lot of churches too. If I mean, you think about it on a church level,
0: I mean, instead of. Well, we have an extra million dollars in the budget. I know very few churches have an extra million dollars in the budget. You know, maybe it's a hundred thousand, maybe it's two hundred thousand into right. the year. Instead of well, let's hire two or three more people, they say. Well, let's just keep doing what we're doing with the people we've got, and let's put this you know the extra toward missions and stuff. And yeah. I, I think we're starting to see a few more churches do that instead of growing the the local kingdom, so to speak.
2: Yeah, that momentum is good. That momentum is encouraging to me.
0: All right, Matt. Well, thank you again. Uh tell us where we can get the uh the survey. Uh I know they can link to it at com. but if they're just listening to this, uh where can they find the survey?
2: You can go to talkcp.com. Uh it's right there on that website. There's just a link at the top. It says it mentions the survey right there.
0: All right. So talkcp.com and uh, sbcthisweek.com. Matt, thanks again for joining us, man. I appreciate it.
2: It's been a pleasure, man. Thank you.
1: All right. Thanks for that, Jonathan. We really really appreciate uh Dr. Crawford's Participation with us this week and uh, all that he had to share.
0: Yep, and Amy, you'll like this. I'm looking at the results of this uh, survey, and we'll put the link to the survey as well. It's in, and Matt mentioned it in the interview, uh, but we'll put the link at spcthisweek.com. And once you complete the survey, you can see the results. You'll like this, Amy. Eighty percent of those surveyed have seen the effectiveness of the cooperative program through theological education.
1: I like that very much. So
0: I, I figured you would. I knew that would yes. be something that you you like.
1: But that's good. That means that probably most of the people in this survey, uh, these young leaders, they've come through Southern Baptist seminary education. um, And I like the way that sentence is worded, or I like the way that question is worded, saying seeing the effectiveness of the cooperative program.
0: Yep, and that's the highest one, by the way. The highest response is uh, theological education, then international missions and church planning, following that uh, right behind it at 70 and 64%. one, Amy, I want to get your thoughts on this. Question number six, how appealing is the name Cooperative Program? Somewhat appealing seems to be leading the way um, at 40%. There really isn't, um, there isn't an overwhelming enthusiasm about the name, it seems.
1: Yeah, of course, I'm one of those that's just nerdy enough to say I I like the name just because I like the word. I like the words cooperate. Um I like what it means I like the history behind it just understanding it well it's really hard to imagine what else we would call it
0: yeah it is and that's the thing too it's like all right well if it's not extremely appealing I don't I don't know what any options would be so I just was was uh, I just thought that was an interesting note from the results uh, there's yeah. a lot of different things in there uh, and just uh, some of the levels of how how much people are involved because most of this is younger pastors and how much they're involved in uh, areas of SBC life. And, you know, they're a lot more involved on the local level and the state level than I would have expected. I, I expected more of a national, uh, you know, leaning for the younger people right. just because of online stuff. But, you know, very heavily involved in local and state missions as well.
1: That's, a, that, that's very promising.
0: All right. Well, uh, links, like we said, are at SBCThisWeek.com. Participate in the survey, especially if you're under 40. It's really geared for those under 40. Uh, About 90% of the participants are under 45. So uh, I think that's kind of their target uh, demographic, but the bulk of them are under 40. Uh, So if you're under 40 and listening to this and haven't filled out that survey yet, go over there, do that. Uh, Take a few minutes, only about 15 or so questions, and uh, you can help out that Young Leaders Advisory Council and Matt Crawford and those uh, CP catalysts from around the country. All right, that's going to bring it to my favorite part of the week, Amy. This week in SBC history, Amy, blow our minds.
1: All right, we're only going to go back eleven years today. Just eleven. Uh, so this is going to be just eleven. So this is going to be something that a lot of people will. Oh, people remember. are going to know this one. Yes. So um, this was in the 2006. Um, and. The 2006 trustee meeting of uh, the International Mission Board, it took place in Tampa, Florida, March 20 to uh, 22nd. A lot of normal stuff at the trustee meeting. But there was a big story that was happening right then. So we've talked about how how we've been in a lot of discussion over a particular issue in the SBC the last month or so. Uh, This trustee meeting was where the uh, IMB trustees overturned a previous action in January. Uh, that they were going to recommend that the Southern Baptist Convention remove a trustee. Oh. Um, and this uh, this was a trustee from Oklahoma. Uh, it was uh, a pastor there in Enid, I believe, uh, Wade Burleson. So the intention was to ask convention messengers during the SBC annual meeting in Greensboro uh, to remove him. But they rescinded this unanimously at the March 20 to 22 uh, trustee meeting unanimously. So this was
0: I didn't realize unanimously that. Wow. Rescinded.
1: Yes. Uh, this, this was, uh, a, a really big deal and you can kind of go back through, uh, through the, the entire story. There's, there's a lot of, Oh, there's a lot, a lot, lot to that there. story. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of it had to do with Wade Burleson's sort of thoughts on how the board was operating, how, um, the, the perception of outside influences was a, a a discussion at that time. And so the major issue though was that he had a very active blog. This was during the days before Twitter and Facebook yeah. where most people took to blogs. So you had a trustee that was blogging and there were just a lot of questions about how much he could and couldn't blog, uh, what he could say. And he really brought a very public discussion Mm -hmm. uh, about the the doings of the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, one reason that this is important is uh, up until this point, we hadn't really done that. We had uh, newspapers, Baptist press. We had ways to engage. But the truth is there were a lot of things we didn't talk about publicly until we came together for two days a year. Well, and there was a lot of things
0: people didn't know about either. Right,
1: right. And so just because you couldn't, uh, so there certainly, we know, were, were grassroots efforts uh, because that's how the conservative resurgence came about. But those were much more sort of word of mouth um, ways. This was the first time that sort of instant information uh, was making an impact in Southern Baptist life. So at that time, this was a very, very big deal, a huge discussion um, that I think really changed the way we process things. Uh, as a convention, particularly in the 363 days a year uh, that we are not together in the same room. So uh, if you look at how we have done this the last few years, when we lead up to presidential elections uh, in the SBC, when when we think through trustee meetings that are happening, even you and I having this discussion um, in a podcast that goes out, and lots of people are considering this together, there's a sense, no matter what side people came down on, that it all started this week in SBC history 11 years ago.
0: Wow. Yeah. And you could say, I mean, 2006 is one of those marker years, I think, in the SBC, Uh, not just because of this, but the election of Frank Page and just all the stuff that was going on in the SBC around 2006. I, I, I dare to think about what our podcast would have been like back then.
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I can't. I can't even imagine. At that time, I was, um, we were living in Virginia, and I would put the kids down for their nap, and then I would go, and I had tons of blogs that were bookmarked, and I would go and read everything that was going on.
0: Yeah, because there was no social media, no sharing, no links or anything like that. It was just basically you had to find it yourself or get an email to right. you or RSS feed, right. read, you know, Google Reader, those kind of things.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's was a really interesting time. And um, like I said, there were tons of opinions and thoughts. And, and I think uh, historians, it'll, it'll be probably 10 years or more before they really are able to, to assess everything that happened. But I do think the way we communicate with each other, uh, that's a huge marker in, uh, in how we do things as Southern Baptists and how people come so much more prepared to process even the smallest things. Uh, to the annual meeting every year.
0: It also put entities to a point where they are sharing more information. I think our entities are more open about things now than before. I mean, there was just so many different effects of uh, all the stuff that went on back in the mid-2000s. And and I I think we're a better denomination for it today.
1: Yeah, I would agree.
0: All right. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is?
1: It's an app. An app. Um, the LifeWay VBS Galactic Starveyor's app. Uh, this is connected with the VBS material that comes from LifeWay.
0: Yep, the only approved um, VBS material by me.
1: Yes, yes. Of course. Uh, this is the, the fourth year uh, to have an app. It includes interactive games, digital coloring pages, choreography videos, all kinds of things. Um, so I think that's, that's pretty neat. And it allows the parents to be more active in sort of knowing what happened at VBS instead of the kids just coming out with their craft or, you know, yeah. whatever. And uh, well, it also makes so it more
0: than a week. I mean, too. you can right. continue the learning on and, and the interaction yeah. uh, uh, with the Bible and with the stories and everything like that after the fact. So I bet you were a VBS boss whenever you were in Waverly.
1: Um, well, I was never – so I was a WANA commander oh. in Waverly.
0: Oh, you can't, yeah, those so, are like two different You can't do one and do the other.
1: Right. So when BBS came around, I did a few different things. I was, uh, I, I, taught a particular age group once. I think I did snacks one year. My favorite year was when I just did the music. So I um, would be there for the opening and the closing. And I lived right across the parking lot next door and my kids were in VBS. So I'd just go over, do the music and then I'd go home for an hour and a half and then I'd come back. That was nice. Quiet house. It was great.
0: Did your kids like VBS?
1: They did. They did. They were, they really enjoyed it. Yep.
0: Yeah, so do mine. And I think it's because yeah. their mom, you know, she basically runs those things. So, she uh, she enjoys some VBS, too, so that's one of her favorite things to do. All right, well, my resource of the week is a new website from Nam. It's called PrayForPlanters.com, uh, and it is exactly what you would think it is. You pray for church planters. Uh, this website allows you to connect with church planters, pray for them as well. Uh, there's an awesome picture. Now, we've had a couple of great pictures recently in Baptist Press, and this, this beard on Justin Haynes, rocking. You put that on Frank Page's black and white from a couple weeks ago, and that would be something else right there. Oh, my goodness. um, So (laughs) you don't have to be a member of one of the 3,800 churches involved in planting or supporting Ascending Church to be involved in the prayer uh, for these church planters. They're trying to get 10,000 Southern Baptist churches to pray regularly for church plants throughout North America. So you can find out more about how your church can engage in this initiative at PrayForPlanters.com. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of SPC This Week. Amy, I know uh, the semester's starting to wind down there in uh, Wake Forest. I'm going to be there next month. I'm coming in almost a week long. We'll be there. Dr. Rainer's doing a lecture series at Life Southeastern. Way week. Yeah, it's Lifeway Week, and, and I'll be there. So it will definitely be Lifeway Week.
1: Excellent. We can't wait to have you I'm here sure, on sure.
0: I'm sure you can't wait. I, I know that you all are just thrilled about me being around. But um, I'm going to have to find an office. I'm going to be there so long.
1: We can probably hook you
0: up. So yeah. next week, Amy, we should have the resolutions committee uh, on that. It'd be uh, fascinating to see who all's on that and see who all we know on there. Uh, it never fails. We know somebody. Between the two of us, we know at least somebody on almost everything, I guess, these days. There will definitely be some familiar names on the resolutions committee because, I mean, you can kind of go into the, the details here, but it's like the Committee on Order of Business where some people roll over from year to year for some continuity.
1: Right. Right. They keep, uh, it's either two or three. I'll have to look. They keep a few that are from the previous year. And so those, those people will repeat. Um, but sometimes we'll see folks who have been on there before or just kind of, there will be people that aren't necessarily surprising because they have particular gift or, or area of expertise that they bring to the table. Um, so we look forward to hearing about that.
0: Yep. should be fun to see Who's on that list, and the others that are forthcoming uh, over the next few weeks. But until then, we'll see you next week.
1: See you next week.